Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. And so over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with Jesus and to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so incredibly grateful to have you here. Hello, hello, happy Friday. Welcome to Unedited. I am truly so grateful to have you here. What a gift to me. I just want to ask if the Unedited podcast has been a blessing or a help to you, strengthened your walk with God, or maybe an interview along the way has inter- uh, ministered to you somewhere, would you consider leaving a review on Amazon um, for the book or Apple or Google or Spotify or wherever you listen for the podcast. That's just a massive piece of spreading a message. And I hate to ask, but I do really appreciate it. And I've had so much kind feedback. And um, that's the most productive way of giving feedback in this day and age, just because others have the opportunity to see it. And let's face it, we all listen to things, read things, and purchase things based on reviews today. So, I just wanted to very um, humbly ask for that if you would consider it. Also, if you did not have a chance to listen to last week's episode with my friend Maggie, I would encourage you to do so. Um, It is an episode where she shares very vulnerably from her heart about her journey of loss and grief. And she and I have both had so much feedback since it posted last Friday Um, and It will be a blessing to you. If you know someone who is in a season of loss or grief, it will be a blessing to them. Please share it. So I just wanted to mention that. Today, I am going to talk very briefly about what to do in dry times. I'm currently, personally, in a little bit of a dry time, what I would consider a dry time. Just when it comes to emotions, I have less emotions than I've had the past few years. Um, I had a couple of times in service recently where just like that cotton ball worship where your worship just doesn't feel like it's getting anywhere and God has just reminded me it's not feelings it's faith it's you continuing to do what you know to do um, I'm a pretty emotional person and when it comes to prayer and worship for me sometimes it just feels so much more effective and so much more productive if it comes with lots of emotions. But I have discovered over the years that we do sometimes hit seasons where emotion is less. And I will never forget the first time I hit a dry spot, I had been under what my kids and I call the glory faucet for a couple of years. I would hit the floor by my couch and the presence of God would just be so strong and so heavy and so tangible and I would literally weep every time I prayed to the best of my recollection. It has been about 20 plus years. Um, But a couple of years in, and it was so sudden, 
the heavens were brass and things were so dry and God was nowhere and I couldn't feel him and I searched my heart and I repented and I just tried to figure out what in the world was wrong with me and what was wrong with my prayer time and I couldn't feel him. I couldn't feel him at church and I couldn't feel him by my sofa. It was just dry, dry, dry. And one day I was driving to my mother's house. Um, it's about a four-hour drive. And I remember hearing a sermon. I really, I think it was on the radio. I don't recall who preached it. But they were talking about spiritual seasons and God ministered to me through that sermon so deeply And they talked about what do you do when you hit a winter season or when you come to a dry time. They said, what happens to a tree in the winter season? Its roots go deeper so it will be more fruitful in the spring, so it can grow taller in the spring. And in dry seasons, what you do is you keep doing what you know to do. You keep making the walk to your prayer spot. You keep reading the word even if it feels like cardboard, if it feels like it's not registering, if it feels like it's getting you nowhere. You keep talking to God. If you don't have any words, like I said, you just keep going to your prayer spot. You show up. You tell him you don't feel him, but you're not going anywhere. You're in it for the long haul, not for emotion, not for feelings, not for physical blessings, not for tangible results, not for his benefits and his blessings that you can see and observe and quantify, but you're in it for him. You keep memorizing, you keep making deposits in your spiritual bank account. Remember your heart, my heart, they are bank accounts where we deposit spiritual things that we will someday need to draw on. We keep going to church, we keep trusting. That's what we do in dry times. I read a quote yesterday in a little devotional that I have called Streams in the Desert. And it's a quote from Francis Ridley Havergill, and it says, God's love is unchangeable, and he is just as loving, even when we do not see it or feel it. He often withholds our enjoyment and awareness of our progress because he knows best what will actually ripen and further his work in us. And so if you're in a dry time, don't quit. Don't quit in the dry times. In truth, These seasons are just prepping us for seasons of greater productivity, for greater growth. And if you are in a dry time, I would really encourage you to do a little study of wilderness experiences in the lives of God's people. It's very fascinating. You think of people like um, David who had a wilderness season and other mighty men of God that had wilderness experiences. Jesus himself was led of the Spirit for 40 days to be tempted of the devil. And this is right after the Bible tells us that God was pleased with him. And so don't doubt that God is at work if you are in a dry time. Today, I am going to read a pretty long journal entry, and I actually think I'm going to edit out part of it as I go because it is 2,444 words and I want to spare you. So today's edited journal entry is called Like a Tree. Like a Tree. Months and months ago, I was reading Ezekiel 47, which is an amazing chapter, and verse 12 just jumped off the page at me. 
And by the river, upon the bank thereof, on this side and on that side, shall grow all trees for meat, whose leaf shall not fade, neither, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. It shall bring forth new fruit according to his months, because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary, and the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine. Wow. From there, Psalms 1, 1 to 3 came to mind. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree, planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And then Psalm 52, 8. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of the Lord forever. Recently, I ran across Jeremiah 17, 7-8. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. What an amazing set of scriptures. Each paints a picture of a tree that is planted close to the source. As a result, their leaves are always green and they continue to yield fruit at their appointed time and they do not have to worry in times of drought. I live in Wisconsin where during spring, summer, and fall, trees flourish irregardless of where they're planted. Everything is lush and green from frequent rain and humidity. However, that is not the case in Israel where these verses were written. The terrain is largely desert and the climate is arid. Water is a very precious commodity and trees are not from looking at photos what we know them to be here. That is the reason these authors draw this analogy. They know that where a tree was planted was literally a make or break in whether or not the tree not only survived but flourished and was fruitful. They understood the value of the source, and they knew that proximity to it would ensure the tree would be fruitful even in the seasons of time and times of drought. What are the qualifying factors to have a flourishing, fruitful life? Number one, because their waters issued out of the sanctuary. David wrote, I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. Church will never be the only factor in longevity and continuous fruitfulness, but it certainly is a factor. In David, a man after God's own heart, we see a deep love and passion for the house of God. In Psalm 26, 8, he wrote, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Joshua, the second leader of God's chosen people, loved the house of God. Joshua departed not out of the tabernacle, Exodus 33:11. Joshua's loyalty to the man of God and the house of God pays off. God tells him, As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. 
There is a longevity birthed in us when we love the house of God. Church enables us to come together with people of like precious faith, to corporately worship the one our faith is in. Church gives us the ability to hear the word of God preached. Church is a place where we go to minister first to God and secondly to his body, and in return be ministered to by both. It is very interesting to note that if we do the first two, the return ministry back to us will be automatic. Church is a place where new babies are born, where new souls are ushered into the kingdom of God. In a world that is telling us church no longer matters, the words of the writer of Hebrews ring more loudly than ever, not neglecting to meet together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day of approaching. We need corporate prayers, corporate praise, corporate singing, and corporate response to the word. We are members of a body, and close, close, healthy connectedness to the body is vital. Encouragement happens at church. Conviction happens at church. Beautiful things happen, and roots go down in the sanctuary. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Psalm 92, 13 I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 122.1 David, who captured the heart of God, loved the house of God. For longevity it will be in part because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary. Number two, in his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his God. In affliction... David stayed close to the source by staying close to the word. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word has quickened me, Psalm 119.50. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word, Psalm 119.81. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, Psalm 119.11. Order my steps in thy word, and let not have iniquity have dominion over me. Psalm 119.23 Jesus himself, in the days of his ministry on earth, battled temptation by and with the word of God. Loving the word of God in the present is an investment in our future. Every investment of the word adds artillery to an arsenal we may need to employ later. The Word of God is the source of spiritual energy and vitality. Just as physical food is a key factor for the health and longevity of the human body, so is the Word of God for our spirit. Jesus quoted Moses and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. We would never expect longevity and health from a person who ate no food. Food is vital. In the same way, we should never expect longevity and fruitfulness in our lives without daily ingesting the Word of God. Peter instructed us to, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the Word that we may grow thereby, that our roots may go deeper thereby. Job said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Jeremiah wrote, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. In Psalm 19, there is a beautiful display of David's love for the word of God. 
He talks about the law, the testimony, the statutes, the commands, the fear, and the judgments of the Lord and sums them up by saying, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. I'd rather have your word than honey dripping from a honeycomb. Wow. I'd rather have your word than much fine gold. Certainly, this is a piece of how and why David endured through the heartache and challenges of his life. Certainly, his delight in the law of the Lord was a key in keeping him connected to the source and allowed him to bring forth his fruit in his season. His loving and longing for the word of God kept his leaves from withering. For longevity, fall head over heels in love with your Bible. It is the primary way we get to know the God of the Word. He is the Word made flesh. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Read it, write it, meditate on it, let your soul soak in it, memorize it. Every word, every line is pure miracle growth for your root system. And deep roots will keep you fruitful in future seasons of dryness and drought. Deep roots below will preserve you above. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Number three, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. If we are to have longevity and continuous fruitfulness, if we are to endure to the end, it will be in part because we learn to trust God. Trust is a rather elusive concept. Unlike church or the law of the Lord, it is intangible and not as easily described. Several weeks ago during a Sunday p.m. worship service, God dropped a little line in my head. Trust is not a feeling. Trust is a decision based on the knowledge of God's character in spite of a lack of information about a specific situation. Trust is a strong confidence in the goodness of God when I cannot see the hand of God or the plan of God. Trust is a conscious choice to put our confidence in God's goodness even when things don't seem good. The more we know the character of God, the more time we spend soaking in his presence and learning all that he is, the easier it is to choose trust. Trust will never be a feeling, but it will always bring feelings of peace and calm and settledness. David proves trust is not a feeling and that trust is possible in spite of chaotic emotions and dire circumstances. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee, Psalm 56, 3. In a time of great distress, David wrote, Our bones are scattered at the grave's mouth, as one cutteth and cleaveth wood upon the earth. But mine eyes are unto thee, O God, the Lord, and in thee is my trust. Leave not my soul destitute. Psalm 141, 7-8 David ran to God, confided in God, and waited on God in seasons of swirling emotions and gathering storms. It is possible to choose trust in every season. Blessed is the man that chooses trust in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding her fruit. For longevity and enduring, for continuous fruitful seasons, to make it through drought and storms, it will be in part because our waters issue out of the sanctuary, our delight is in the law of the Lord, 
and we have chosen to trust the Lord in spite of battles and nights and dry seasons. Jesus said, He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. And our life will be so much more than just enduring for ourselves. And the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine. When we are rooted deeply and anchored down into the fertile soil of God, our life will bring both nourishment and healing to those it touches. Not because of us or because we are trying, but simply because we are connected to the vine, the source, the supply. In him is all we will ever need. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If we will simply get connected to him in the house of God, through the word of God and the presence of God, which leads to choosing trust in God, we will bear much fruit and we will stand through every storm. We will flourish through every drought. He shall be like a tree. Again, a slightly edited version of a journal entry, like a tree. And today, just a little encouragement to keep moving and to keep doing what you know to do, even in the driest of times. I love the song Waymaker and that bridge that says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Thank you so much for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions or to download a typed or a handwritten transcript of today's entry, you can visit megunedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible. I look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy, happy, happy Friday.